Fill her up. You're listening to the Gas Digital Network. Hey, everybody. This is Tank Sinatra. You're listening to the Think Tank Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm glad to have you here. If you're enjoying the show, please do me a favor. Head over to iTunes and leave a review. I love reading them. And if you want access to the full archive with episodes such as Jesse Itzler, Dan Soder, Derek Huff, DMC, go to gasdigitalnetwork.com and use promo code TANK for two free weeks and access to all the other shows on the network. Enjoy the episode. Are they all here? All but one. Well, I'm going anyway. I'm the best at what I do. You're listening to the Think Tank Podcast. Look at that fucking smile on my face. With your host, Tank Sinatra. Okay, James. Tank. The intro's over. You don't have headphones on, so I have to give you a play-by-play on what's happening. Shannon is saying mean things about you. Really? Oh my god! Yeah, I don't know why she's yeah, doing what that. What have I done? I don't even know you. She's what making you... stuff up, but it's pretty, pretty nasty stuff she's saying. Wow! But he'll never know. He'll never know. <laughs> I know because well, I'm not wearing the headphones. Um, James Altucher, you're in the think tank. Thank you for having me here. I've been, di- I've been, oh, I've been stop. wondering when you would ask me to come on the think stop tank. Stop it! It's like I've known you only a year, and you've had all my friends on the think tank except me. I was it's intimidated. Like you've been avoiding me. No, dude, you're a big deal. You're a big get. That's why. I was dying for the invitation. I was like looking at my mailbox every day. Is he going to write me a letter? Like, is it going to be a printed, handwritten letter? That's not a bad idea. Yeah, you should do do it that way. That's Maybe a good I idea. should do that. I have horrible handwriting, though. It's gotten worse as it's become more reliant on thumbs. My handwriting's awful. I think handwriting is kind of like a skill of the past. Like, nobody needs to learn handwriting anymore. Like, no. when, when's the, actually the last time you've handwritten anything? I, sometimes I'll journal, and when I journal, I, I when I I like writing at the end of the day, or or if I have a thought or whatever, because I and if I do it on a computer, I feel like Doogie Howser. <laughs> you feel if you handwrite on the computer? No, no. no. Oh. Doogie Howser used to sit down at the end of every episode and like kind of sum up his thoughts on what happened during the episode. You, huh? Did you ever watch Doogie Howser? No, but I could. So Captain Kirk used to do that in Star Trek, also. Okay, <laughs> so that was that was a. a Captain Kirk or Doogie Howser thing, and when I write, I, I I find myself by like the third or fourth line, or if I have to write out a card mm-hmm. for like for Valentine's Day or something, eight nine words into it, my handwriting is illegible, just gets bad really yeah, quick. Yeah, because we don't have those motor skills anymore. There's like a lot of skills we don't have anymore it's since true. the rise of the internet. Yeah, we don't know how to ask a girl out on a date. <laughs> we don't know how to handwrite. We don't know how to. I barely know how to talk on the phone. When was last? I, I very rarely have a conversation on the phone anymore. Like, like the phone is is the phone app is probably the one app on my phone I never use. Yeah, just uh, just play backgammon on my phone and like surf the internet. You love the internet. Love the internet. The internet loves you too. It, it does. Well, you know, I kind of got my start just in career. Like, I'm I'm old enough that 1994, 1995, I was making websites this is what we were we were talking right before the podcast about rap battles. i was making the websites for every rap label so loud records bad boy records death row all the interscope stuff jive records you were uh, making the websites yeah that do you was know my... do you know brandon ralph did we talk about this no i don't know i don't know brandon ralph Co- code in theory no okay i figured that he he was do- i remember back in like 1999 or 2000 he was doing websites for, uh, he did Trillville. <laughs> and, I don't, so I did The Source, I did Loud, I did Bad Boy. Yeah. I did uh, all the Interscope stuff, including Death Row, uh, and then random sites here and there. 
You look exactly like the kind of guy that would be making uh, websites for death row. Yeah, there you go. Well, it's funny. I would have dinner with some of those guys, and they were just huge, enormous guys. And, Shook and, Knight? Did you ever meet him? No, no. He was in jail at the time. Oh. But, he was, but he was about to get out, and everyone was saying, you guys, Snoop better go on the run because uh, Shook's angry. And there was beef with Suge and Snoop. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, because after Suge went to jail, Snoop, quite correctly, did his own did his own thing. Yeah, like, you know, Snoop had a, a full career out of him. Dog pound. And uh, yeah, and uh, and then these guys were like, "Oh man, we want to hang out more. When we come to New York City, where, where's your office? Want to hang out there?" And I'm like, "Oh, we're moving offices now. I don't, <laughs> I don't think so. So we're gonna work remotely. I think yeah. <laughs> wherever you guys are not is where I'll be." But it's funny how everybody ages. Like, I did all the websites for the Wu-Tang Clan back then in the mid-90s. Yeah. And a couple of months ago, I was I remember the, the Jizza always liked playing chess. So a couple of months ago, I had Gary Kasparov, the best chess player in world history, on my podcast. So I invited the Jizza to come over and wow. watch the podcast. And then afterwards... Gary left, and the Jizza and I just played, you know, who's also named Gary. We played chess for like an hour or so. But that that's how, like... They used to, it used to be all about rap and this and that. Now it's just like two old guys playing chess. That's amazing. The Jizza is an interesting guy, right? Yeah, yeah, he's very talented. The Wu-Tang Clan is, there's one member I think about a lot. I don't know if I've ever said this on the podcast before. I don't want to upset him or insult him or anything, but I think about Capadonna because I remember hearing that Capadonna was not doing too great. Like he was driving a cab in Amityville or something. And this was really? like 15 years ago, yeah. Uh, I don't and, know. You know, they just had that documentary on them. And I don't... It, it makes sense if you think about it, because back then the record labels were not really helping these guys. They weren't giving them the best deals. It was a totally different ballgame than it is now. And there was nine or ten of them. So it's Yeah, like... I always used to wonder that about the Wu-Tang Clan as well. But Steve Rifkin at Loud Records, he's the guy who kind of like really scooped them up to distribute them. He, the RZA, made um, a, a deal with Steve Rifkin We'll go on Loud Records, but each one of us is going to go on a different record label afterwards, individually. How come? Because so the RZA knew that's how they would make their money, is they'll get the brand with the Wu-Tang Clan and they'll build up that way. But yeah. then individually, like Method Man, Older, they all went out on uh, different labels after that. Okay. And that's how they each made their money, on their own merits, as opposed to splitting it up with the Wu-Tang Clan. Wait, so did you, you did you work in the music business or were you just doing the websites for these guys? Just but doing the websites. One the, one but the I same. did but I did the websites for like every record label, but particularly these rap and gangster rap record labels. And then I did a lot of websites for a lot of the movie studios. <clears throat> I did all of HBO's websites. I did the websites for like The Matrix, those Scream, those movies. Yeah. Uh I did uh I did AmericanExpress.com. So uh, I did uh I don't know, Miramax.com. Is that how you made the, the money to start? That was my first business that made the money. And I, I sold that at the peak. I was super smart. Every decision, I cashed out because I figured this is a bubble. Yeah. And then I immediately lost every dime of it. Ugh. Made millions, bought a big, super big house, an apartment in, in Tribeca. And then, I don't know, I was like literally a drunken rock star on steroids. Like I just, I just you were shat the steroids? money out. <laughs> No, but it was like as if I was <laughs> taking steroids and having no sense of money. It's as if my money had steroids and then it deflated. So can you walk me? Because that's a, a big fear of mine is obviously you think it. But what was going through your mind? Like I did it once. I can do it again. Because that's not most people did, would not handle that gracefully. Did you or did you? No, not? I did not. You did not. OK, so let's... there's no way to handle it gracefully, particularly, particularly the first time, because think about it. I was building websites 
and I had this little company building websites for other people. So I was making good money. Yeah. But then the internet was in this crazy boom. Like everyone thought, oh my God, you're doing something with the internet. Here's $30 million. Like they just didn't, nobody understood money then. Yeah. And uh, so I cashed out at this enormous amount for basically doing websites for the Wu-Tang Clan. That was my, that was my business <laughs> and other people wanted it. And, uh, and I cashed out personally, like cash. It was cash in the bank, a little over $50,100,000. And then- 50 or 15? One five. One, one five. five. I, I wish it was 50. Maybe I would have held on to it's all the 35 same because I lost 15. Yeah. <laughs> so I cashed out of 15 and then I lost 15. So about, and it, it took me- Wait, you brushed over the, the losing 15. Yes, yeah, so I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll get to that. So, so basically what happens is, you, I thought to myself all of a sudden, oh, I've never known anything about business before in my life. Like mm -hmm. I was, I, I, I paid for everything in my life, paid for college. I was making this really bad salary when I moved to New York City and I had no money. I was living, I, I was sharing rooms with different people and uh, suddenly all these websites, nobody in New York City knew how to make a website in 1994. There was me and maybe five other people who knew how to make a wow. website in 1994. And there weren't tools like WordPress and things like that. You had to actually like write software and do all these fancy things. And so uh, every company suddenly realized, oh my gosh, we might need, this web thing might be big. We might need a website. So there was only five people to call and I was one of them. Mm -hmm. And so I, I enlisted my the help of my brother-in-law who was a designer and I was a software guy and I knew the internet. And we just started churning out. I would work all day at my job, my day job, and then at night, I'd go over to my brother-in-law's and we would just churn out these enormous websites. So like AmericanExpress.com was a huge website, and then we would do Miramax.com just to have fun, or we would do October Films, or we would do, you know, The Source Magazine. And, uh, you know, when we were doing well, I was making money, I finally moved into like a real apartment, and. But I stayed at my job because I was always worried it would run out. Like I had a forty thousand a year job, but like American Express paid us two hundred sixty thousand dollars, and so. But I would keep my forty thousand. You kept a year working. Job. I kept working for another eighteen months after that. Oh my god! And, and what we were, an idiot! I know, but I was <laughs> I was risk averse. I didn't really want to take any risk, <laughs> and I was working for HBO. I loved HBO TV shows, so I figured, okay, I'll just work yeah, but here. Is, day. is there risk if you're making you know seven seven and a half times your yearly salary in one shot? Uh, you think you got seven years of runway at that point? Well, well, my brother-in-law would split that, so it was like half of that. And Three then, and a half. Yeah, yeah. I should have quit earlier. Yeah, I probably should have. We so probably why, would have been much bigger. Why? I'm very risk averse, actually, which is weird because then I gambled away fifteen million dollars. Do you think you were making up for it? No, I think what happened is, is suddenly somebody gave me money, and it was like literally the first time in my entire life. From the age of zero on, I had more than $500 in my bank account. Yeah. And so suddenly I had millions of dollars in my bank account. And then I, I cashed out at the right moment, right at the peak in like 1999. And then I figured, you know what? I'm smart. I must be so smart that people were giving me this money. I must be a genius because yeah. I made this kind of money. So now everybody was coming to me for investment. And I'm like, sure, I'm a good guy. I'll invest in this. I'm smart. If I invest, it must be good. And so I would just invest in all oh, these you things. Had that reverse confidence. Yeah, yeah. And then I invested in the, even though I knew this is a bubble and I cashed out, I figured, well, the internet's here forever. So even if I invest money and it goes down a little bit, it'll still go up eventually. So I put everything in like internet stocks and then I borrowed money. And so, so even though I had $15 million cash, I probably had 20 to 25 million in 
internet stocks. So when it went down on leverage, or you know, I borrowed, I was losing catastrophically. And then it just it just went from bad to worse. It never got better. Like people always say that, oh, you know, if things cycle, sometimes bad, sometimes good. That is totally wrong. Sometimes yeah. it can get bad and then it could get worse. Yep. And then it could even get much, much worse. Like it got so bad. I, so the, the, the bottom point in this was I had this apartment and my mortgage was enormous. And I, you know, again, I had never, I had always had roommates. When I moved to New York City, I used to play uh, chess in Washington Square Park. So I knew all the hustlers, like we were, I was one of them. And I basically moved in with them. They were all essentially homeless. And we all lived in this one room apartment, uh -huh. like on a bunch of futons. And we would play chess all night and then disperse in the morning to, you know, they would go where their crack was and I was going to work. And then uh, uh, suddenly I had all this money, bought an apartment, had a mortgage, had responsibilities, had a wife and a kid and then another kid. And then I look at my bank account one day and I had the same account, the exact same checking account that had once had $15 million cash in it, had $143 in it. And my mortgage was, as you can imagine, much more than that. Oh and I God. was just stupid. So then, I, I, and it was just nothing more than stupidity. I was like just unbelievably like crazy. And then, and I was so depressed and scared and suicide. I had two kids. Uh, one was zero years old. One was three years old. And I figured they're never gonna remember me. Uh, their their mom's still kind of cute, whatever. And I'll, I'll, I had this life insurance policy that I take it out when I had a lot of money. I figured they're not gonna remember me. I'll try to kill myself and they'll get the life insurance policy. But I wanted to kill myself without hurting myself, which turns out to be very difficult. Like I researched <laughs> this, there's really no safe way and I'm not ever, don't kill yourself, don't do it. But there's really no way to do it without a. I mean, it's literally the antithesis of safe is killing yourself. Right, this and there's no. But you would think that maybe there's so like people would. Say, I would ask questions like, oh, "How would you do it?" And uh, people would say, "Oh, I'll shoot myself in the head," and they'll you know shoot at the temp their temple. But you know, I knew people. I literally knew people who tried to kill themselves that way. And what ended up happening was the bullet went through their head, shot out their eye and their ear, and they were still alive but paralyzed without an eye and an ear. Oh so if you God. think you had problems before, you have more problems now. So I didn't. There's no way to do it without taking some degree of risk and where you, that you're going to fail. And uh, I didn't want to do it for good reason, for for many reasons really. And then, and then I called up my parents and I said, "Look, I've never borrowed money from you in my life." I pay. I had paid off all of their loans and bills and houses and whatever, and I paid for my own education, everything. So I just wanted to borrow a thousand dollars, and and then I said I will. I'll borrow it for a week, and then I'll drop it back off. And they said no. And they, I don't know. I don't really know why, but they. I think they kind of felt like maybe this was a lesson for me. Yeah. And so, and so I hung up on them, and they tried calling back. I didn't pick up. And I was just scared to death. I was just crying and scared to death all the time. I was so miserable. And Were you so working upset. at this point or no? No, I wasn't working because it was the kind of internet crash. It was after 9 11. There was no, uh, you know, nothing, there was no opportunities for me at all. Yeah. So I couldn't get a job and I couldn't, uh, I, I had lost all my software skills by this point. It had been years. And I couldn't, uh, uh, it wasn't like you could start a company then as the internet crashed. Everybody thought at that point the internet was just a, a fad. It was going to go away. Yeah. So I had nothing going on. I had zero. And so ultimately I started investing again and 
it was crazy because I wrote some software. Here's what happened is I wrote some software to model the stock market since every piece of data on the stock market since 1946. And I, I basically, I, I borrowed money. I had other people invest with me. And everyone was like, well, you just lost all your money investing. And I said, it's not me. I wrote this software, which is true. I wrote software that would give me signals about which stocks were buys at which points. And it worked. So I started making money for other people. And then more and more people invested with me. And suddenly I had a totally brand new career as like a hedge, what's called a hedge fund manager. I was investing other people's money in the stock market using this software that I'd written. And then I started, I'd always been a writer, so I started writing for the Financial Times. Did Wall you start Central. investing your money or no? Once I, once I started That's to build a, up again, yeah. then I was fully investing my money again. Yeah. Uh, but now I was doing it not with my brain, but with the computer's brain. Yeah. So I basically wrote like AI to model the stock market and it would tell me, okay, this morning at 9.35, buy Microsoft and hold it for 10 minutes. It, it, it told me all sorts of, I would, I would basically, I had software that would find patterns, unusual patterns in the market and the patterns that other people hadn't yet seen. And so I started doing this, and then at the same time, I started writing for the Financial Times, the Wall Street Journal, I started appearing on CNBC, I started, uh, I wrote a bunch of books about finance, so I had two careers in parallel. One, investing other people's money, where I would take a percentage of the gains, and another, uh, where I was writing books about investing. And this is after I lost $15 million investing. So, but because I had took this new software approach and I kind of massively studied, like, why did I go so wrong? I managed to bounce back, but it took a long time. And then I built another company that was like a social network for finance, for people interested in finance. Mm -hmm. I was getting a million users a month. I had no employees. I was making about, you know, I was making a ton of money on ads every month. Again, with no employees, it was all going to me. And then I sold that business to a company and and then I proceeded to lose all of that money. I sold that business for millions, and I proceeded to James, lose. James, come on! I I went totally to zero. I lost two houses this time, and oh my lost God. my family, and uh, uh, had to bounce back again. I, this happened oh. to me four times. <laughs> wow, you love bouncing back, huh? I I don't. It's the worst thing in the world, and so I am actually always terrified now of that that I'm I could go out of control and just lose everything. Yeah, but I did bounce. I did manage to bounce back every time. But it took a long time. And it took about 12 years before I stopped being depressed. Oh, my God. And and there are multiple bounce backs in between there? Yeah, four. In that 12 years? Yeah. And what do you think changed? Were you just Did you just finally say, you know what, enough of this? Like, Do you think that some part of you, not sabotaged it, but loved the excitement and the chaos and created that storm? Or is that- I don't know, because if, it did, if there was some part of me that loved it, it really... <laughs> Kept itself hidden. I don't know, because <laughs> I was miserable. I was not happy for a really long time. I was just like the the once you once I had that like taste of money, I felt like I desperately need. And I thought I had just won the lottery, so I was never gonna get, make it back. Yeah. And so I was just constantly hungry for it, and it was just such such a miserable way to live life. Like money, it's a cliche to say money is not the answer to everything or anything, but it's so true. Like there's so many other ways I could have just pursued happiness, even pursued doing things I loved, and maybe I would have made more money, but instead I just was single-mindedly searching for money, and that's just the hardest way to make it. When when your only interest is the money, yeah. and you have no pa other passion, like all the passions were stripped from me. I used to be really interested in things back before I was making money. I, was, I loved many things in life, and then for 12 years, I was just obsessed with making back this money, 
And I think what switched for me was taking a really big step back and asking myself what was going right, what was going wrong every time I lost the money, and what was going right every time that I made the money. And it'll sound like a cliche, but uh, it was just a matter of every day making sure I wasn't involved with like emotionally toxic people every day trying to be as healthy as possible in terms of like my eating well sleeping well moving well every day being creative because creativity is a muscle mm-hmm. I mean you know this you work on your you know the Instagram stuff and and your memes and your and and other things every single day it's, and, it's and a muscle my, and my muscles <laughs> and your muscles you yeah. you keep physically clean you, I know you keep a, a emotionally uh, well and uh, and creativity <laughs> is a muscle you you get better over time so I would start writing down ten ideas a day in a waiter's pad every single day and so without fail I would always write ten ideas didn't have to be didn't matter what it was the ideas about it could be ideas which I should get someone for their birthday. It could be could ideas it be for repeat, business. repeat ideas? could be repeat ideas. It could be, if I came up with some idea for a business, maybe the next day would be 10 ideas of how to start this business. Uh-huh. But that, or, or I would write like 10 ideas how Amazon can improve their business. And I would just randomly send it to Amazon. 10 ideas how Google could improve their business. I'd randomly send it to Google. And I ended up visiting, because of this, I ended up visiting Amazon, Google, LinkedIn, Facebook. And, but I would just, add, the more, after three to six months of writing these 10 ideas a day down, it was like I was this. It was like had a superpower of creativity, and that's finally that kind of gave me enough ideas and enough sense of myself, and plus keeping healthy in other ways. That finally I started to kind of get on a more even track. So it's been it's been a while now since since I've had to bounce back, but that, but who knows? It could happen anytime. Yeah, I'm, I mean I'm curious about it, and I'm interested because I think about that a lot. My my bounce backs have been. It was one big one, but my financial one, I had managed to save like $12,000 when I was 28 or, yeah, 28. And I moved to California and I drove across country and I had never had that much money before. So I was just spending it like it was never going to run out. By the time I got to California, two weeks of driving, I had like maybe $3,500. Yeah, because because you're going to spend a couple hundred a day at least, right? I didn't think about it like that. Yeah. I just thought I felt I literally felt like Jeff Bezos. I was like, I have <laughs> unlimited funds. Twelve thousand dollars will get me who who knows how many years before I have to work. You know, I'm just kidding. But <laughs> like the, the drive over there costs. No, but a I lot know what money. you meant. Like I I thought initially my, my whole goal was There's no such thing as unlimited money. Right. Money will will because also the more you have as I've proven, the more you will spend and the I more need you will risk. A jet. Yeah. I need to have jets. you ever have you ever flown private? No. Okay, it's once once you fly private, it is a different experience. Well, I flew first class once. That's that a great experience good. as well. Did yeah. you ever fly first class international? I've never been international on an international flight. Oh, okay. why? What? What's so special about that? It's just it's like sometimes, depending on the flight, is yeah. uh, you can practically get your own cabin. Yeah. So it's. Uh, it, I, I looked up. Um, I forgot what it was. By the way, I'm not saying this because I do it. Because yeah. now I'm now I'm very risk averse, and I don't do anything that yeah, yeah. that risks. Although so, some things I do, like investing in a comedy club, that's a risk. Oh yeah, well that's <laughs> a guaranteed loser. That's a guaranteed loser. Yeah. There's a hundred percent chance of full loss on that. <laughs> so. That's an expense. That's not an investment. Yeah. Let's be honest. Yeah, um, yeah. I flew. Um, just to go back to the first class thing, I bought a first class ticket for JetBlue Mint, which is like that's real first class. You lay yeah. down flat, whatever. And I was sitting there, I couldn't even enjoy it because I was sitting there and people were walking by and I was like, 
you know, I'm so I don't just I don't I don't belong here either. You know, I didn't know what to say to people. But you don't get have embarrassed. To, I got embarrassed. Yeah, because they were all walking past me. Yeah, and looking at you with disdain. Yeah, I mean, maybe they were, maybe they weren't. Someone said something about like, oh, that's nice. It must be nice to sit in first class. And I was like, it, it is actually. <laughs> it is pretty nice. These seats are huge. They're huge. Mint has Mint has the best first class to L.A. from a hundred percent. There's there's no doubt about it. But um, yeah. So as far like I'm I'm worried about not worried but. This, so this last page that I started, the Influences in the Wild page, I am now I finally feel like maybe I know what I'm doing on Instagram. I did not feel that way really? before that. Yeah. You've been an expert for a long time. I would yeah, I would never call myself an expert. Now I feel like I could go What's the difference? <sighs> Tank Sinatra I had a lot of help with. Um Tank Sinatra the fat Jewish reposted me all the time the first year and I built it up to like three hundred thousand. It gave me a really nice head start. Um Tank's Good News, I kind of feel like is almost a, a social service more than like an Instagram page. Yeah. It's like, I'll never make it private. I'll never, never do any of the growth hacks that I know. It's just like that, that page is for the people. The people need that shit. And I need it too. I need to know what, what good is happening in the world. Influencers in the wild, I saw a hole in the market and I picked a specific niche and I, and I got content for it, and I posted about it, and it went completely globally viral. And I've never had anything like that happen before. Wow, so wait, I don't think, I don't know, I mean, I know your regular Tank Sinatra page. Yes. Yeah. When did you start Influencers in the Wild? Five weeks ago. And what's, what is it? What, what's been happening? Um, it's up to 1.8 million. That's in five unbelievable. Weeks. It was up to 1 million in, in three weeks. And so, I'm just guessing what it is, but, but is, are you just taking other influencers and posting their stuff? Or? No. So what happened was I was in California at Griffith Park. You know Griffith Park? No. So it's like just a nice hiking trails. It's very touristy, very L.A., right? People get dressed up to go hiking kind of shit. And I went there and I wanted to just see because I'd never I'd been to L.A. so many times, but I never did the, the hikes or the touristy stuff. So I went and I, I was coming out of the bathroom and I saw a girl climbing up on a branch that was like three feet tall, four, maybe four, four, three and a half, four feet tall. And my first thought was, why don't you just stand next to it? You're as tall as it. What are you doing? And then I saw that she was taking a picture. She was like hugging the branch. And I was like, man, that would be so funny if there was a page that was just all that. That is hilarious. You know, I could, can, I, can I tell you one quick story? So one time I was in LA uh -huh. and I saw this woman, she ordered a meal at this vegan restaurant and it was like four photographers and a videographer surrounded her yeah. and were like taking photos and she was like smiling and then she was eating. And I, and I went to her and I'm like, <laughs> what, what are you doing? And she said, I'm an Instagram influencer and I'm, we're, you know, building my page. And I'm like, oh, what's your name? I'll follow you. She had less Instagram followers even than I had. Yeah. I don't have a lot. And it's just amazing. Like everybody thinks they're an influencer. And, and the funny part is I've posted a couple of those videos where it looks like a real professional shoot. And my comment to people is always like, a professional shoot would never do this. They would never be in the middle of a street with no permit, with traffic coming to get a shot. They just wouldn't do it. So people don't realize, I think, how invasive and how pervasive that culture is. Not invasive, it's fun. The page is fun. It's not, I'm very, I wanna be very careful to make sure that like people know that I'm not making fun of them. Like I'm in on the joke. I am part of the problem too. I stop and take pictures also and i feel like an idiot right but i would there's one difference with you so for instance everybody's got their medium right so people yeah. might read a book i write or listen to a podcast and say you know oh this was really great it really changed the way i thought about some things or 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 whatever 
no one's ever come up to me and said, man, your Instagram page has changed my life. Like that has never <laughs> happened. But yeah. I, and I bet you for 99 point everybody, no, that, that nobody's ever come up to anybody and said that except maybe you. It's happened multiple times with the Tanks Good News page, yeah. Yeah, so that, that's, that's why I'm saying you're different, I think, from the average person who's like just dying to have a, a little bit more validation and a little, few, few more dopamine hits on Instagram. For yeah. what for what purpose? Like, what do they want to do? Well, well how are they how are they going to help people? Well, like you said about the money, it's not all about the money. It's not all about the dopamine either. That's what I would say to mm. people. Like, you get all these hits and likes and these these moments where you're you ha you post something that's doing really well or whatever, and it's like, I have you ever have you heard of people doing a dopamine fast? I've heard of it, and I and I've actually researched a little bit. It's it's I've talked to people who are experts on neurochemicals. Uh -huh. It's complete. I I understand people do it. Yeah, but it's complete BS. Is it? Yeah, because you're constantly all day long experiencing dopamine hits in various ways. Shannon, can you just quick? Can you hear me? Pull up the influencers in the wild page. I just want to show him an example of it so he understands it, and just play the most recent video because the most recent video is crushing. It has like a million views in four hours. That's unbelievable. Maybe it maybe it has less. I don't know. But it's it's literally the perfect the perfect influencer video. And I'll explain why. Actually, you know no, what? I yeah. So this is Darren Rouse. That's a big uh uh blogger from like twelve years ago. Is he? Yeah. That's funny. So so press play on the video, Shannon. Right. Yeah. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, very beautiful, man. Yeah. Oh, my God. So just to describe, you, for, you should go, what, what's the page? What's the name of the page? Influencers, Influencers in, the in the Wild, yeah. Just see that last one. It's really funny. But was that, did you did you see her doing that or did you find that on Instagram somewhere? No, so, so that's the other thing. Like, this has introduced me to a whole new world of content and licensing and all that stuff that's, you know, it's it's it was, I've said it, to, uh, however many times I've said it, it's the only analogy that makes any sense. It would be like telling somebody, hey, I'm a little thirsty, and they just open up a fire hose and they blast you in the face. Because I wanted more followers, just like everybody else. Yeah. I want to grow my page. But this also provides a useful function, which is to kind of underline a little bit the hypocrisy. Like you're trying to be an in, in, have influence, and yet it's in some cases, again, like you, I don't want to make fun of them, but in some cases, there's this real disconnect between authenticity and... What we just saw. Well, those are the page. Those are the posts that do the best. There's a lot of people that will, you know, mention me in the stories and say, "I'm so scared to wind up on this page," or "I just took a selfie and I'm scared I'm going to wind up on influences in the wild." And I don't respond to everybody anymore because there's too many of them. But the the my response to them was, "I'm never going to post a picture of somebody just taking a regular photo." It's not what this is about at all. I have criteria because I work with a company called Collab on the licensing. <clears throat> well, what's the licensing? Like, you're allowed to share uh, anybody's uh, Instagram page or photo? now I own those videos. So those videos are submitted to me and licensed ah. to influencers in the wild. So then if a clip show like um, Ridiculousness or Tosh.0 wants to have it on, it's a media buy. And then there's also there's a whole other thing with Facebook and YouTube and, and whatever. So you contacted them and say, I'd love to put this on influencers in the wild. And then no, they bro. My email is all day, every day. Submission, 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 submission. It's like they, the the company I'm working with is like we've never seen anything like this before, because it's it's a global phenomenon. You don't need words yeah. to understand it. 
It's all visual. And do you think people though do on purpose like mess up their Instagram? I can I can tell which ones are okay. are fake. You got to be really good at that. For the most part, I can yeah. tell. There's a there's a, a a lack of there's a it's so hard to describe. It's almost like a robotic movement that the people do when they're trying to get on the page. They'll they'll be in a restaurant and they'll be like. Like nobody takes pictures like that. Yeah, it's just not the way it goes. Yeah, I, I like to think that I have good instincts for what's real and what's not, and they that started right away. Two weeks in, people were were sending videos that were so obviously staged. And like, do you, in, just in general, like with social media, because I think when I go to either of your pages, and now three of your pages, I always think you're coming at it from a real authentic <laughs> point of view. Like, Tank's good news. This is what you sincerely think is good news, and you wanna share it with the world. You're, you're the memes. This is what you think is funny. You're not just trying to be funny because it'll get likes or hits or whatever. This is what you think is funny, and it's, it gets funnier and funnier. And then, uh, and I think that's true for any social media like Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, podcasting, books, writing. If someone's authentic, you could tell. And if someone's not authentic and they're just doing it for some money or some other purpose, then you can tell that as well. And yeah. I think you're going to fail if it's not authentic because the world needs authenticity. It doesn't need another influence or it doesn't need another person saying, be grateful every day or, you know. <laughs> so, so annoying. Yeah. All this, enjoy like, every moment. Yeah. Like, what, really? is, what does that even mean? Like, yeah. I, no one's going to enjoy every moment. People like, said that to me when I had kids and I'd just be like, Okay. Thanks. Thanks yeah. for the thanks for the blanket useless advice. Right. Enjoy one moment out of every six months. That's the best you're gonna have with kids. That's great. <laughs> yeah, that That's would be really great. good. That would be awesome. Instead of enjoy every moment, how about enjoy any moment? Right. Like anyone you can get. Or just hold your breath until they're 30 <laughs> yeah. and hope they don't die between now and then. <laughs> That's or, it. Or you. Yeah. 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 Or me. Yeah. Um. But I did get some pushback, especially because of the Tanks Good News page. People were like, how could you have a page dedicated to good news and then have a page making fun of people? And my answer to some of the people, again, I didn't respond to everybody, was just like, I'm everything. I'm, 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 not, I'm nothing and I'm everything. I'm not just Tanks Good News. I'm not just Tanks Sinatra. And I'm not just influencers in the wild. I, am a, I love people and I love the world. And this is what I see and this is what I want to document. Well, and first off, if anyone's saying that, and, and it's a cliche to say this, but if anyone's saying that, they're obviously jealous. They're trying to have status Could or be. control over you when you have achieved so much in this arena that they would probably like to achieve in. Second, uh, again, it's about your Wait, authenticity. Can you? What they're they're trying to achieve their own version of be, status, right? Yeah, they're on Instagram by trying to dog me. Right, they, they want status seat. over you, but you know, fans always want status over the people that they're fans of. Wow, because because otherwise, it's almost you're almost too good to be true for them. So they need to have some status, or particularly if they're insecure or jealous or whatever, and. Uh, you know, the problem with listening to the fans is then you become a fan. You you become who you listen to. So yeah. you, you want to be the artist still and and not it's not like you want to be disconnected to the fans. You you're you're you relate to them because you're authentic. But again, if you listen to them, the your the quality goes down. Because for instance, let's say you have a certain kind of meme and you realize, oh my gosh, everyone loves this kind of meme, so I'm always gonna stick to it. So again, you're listening too much to the audience. Probably the memes will memes will decline in well, value. I've seen that happen on other pages. Yeah, I've, I've seen I've seen meme pages go from borderline good meme pages to absolute total one hundred percent dog pictures. 
Yeah, because that like that'll get the most likes, so they'll think, "Oh God, I gotta appease my fans." But or again, you can, unfollow. You, right, you can't if you if you listen too much to the audience, suddenly you're gonna be sitting in the audience, and that's that's always the rule. Like I I always think it's an interesting rule. Like whenever you post anything, and and for you it would be Instagram, for me it's it's other media, but I always want to be afraid if I post this, I'm, I want to be a little bit afraid what people will think of me. Because then I know I'm saying something new and interesting and original. Yeah. And even whether it's funny or whether it's sad or tragic or a story or or I'm being vulnerable, I'm admitting something, I always want to be a little bit at some point right before I hit publish. Gosh, am I am I sure I want to do this? This is a little scary. So that's your barometer. That's my barometer for whether or not something's good. You're scared because right. I have to make because that guarantees me that nobody else has written this. Like if I want to write, oh. Here's how you can live a better life. Be grateful every day. Okay, that's been written a hundred billion times. Yeah. And every yes, everyone will hit like on that. No one's gonna not hit like on that. And I'll feel good. I got that dopamine. But I'll know it just wasn't quality. It wasn't something interesting. Do you think you get a little dopamine hit from from the fear? Uh, because that's interesting to me. That that's because I'll tell you a story after you tell me. But I, I have a similar measure that I use. I, I might have. Uh, I, what I know is after I publish something like that, where uh -huh. I'm really. I put my heart into it, and I know it's a, a, a good, true story for me or a post for me. Uh, if I'm feeling that fear, I know that when I send it off into the into the universe or into the ether, or whatever, that it was it was good. Yeah. So regardless of whether it gets engagement or not. So I know this was unique. It was good. If people don't like it, that's their problem. This is my party. They're just invited, and and I'm feeling comfortable. If I'm not feeling that. Then I feel like, ugh, this this just didn't feel good. Nothing, I wrote it's not exciting. Yeah, I wrote a list of ten things to do when you want to be happy in the morning. Like it's yeah. just stupid. Because I have a, a similar measure that I use that I only discovered like maybe a year ago, maybe a little less. Um, I'm a worry type of person. Like I just think about the worst possible thing that could happen, and I harp on that sometimes, much much less now than I used to in the past. I felt like I had no control over it in the past. But I was a worrier, and if you, if you read Dale Carnegie's book, How to yeah. Wor Stop Worrying and Start Living. Yeah, I, I read that as soon as I was worrying all the time and not living. <laughs> so, Oh, this title's perfect for me. So in there, there's a quote. I forgot exactly who it was from, but it was basically somebody said, my life has been filled with unfortunate events and circumstances, 99% of which never came to pass. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. And I thought about that all the time, all the time, all the time. And then one day, about a year ago, I was sitting there worrying about something. And it was outlandish what I was worrying about happening. It was just like the most ridiculous thing. I, ex I expressed it to my wife and she's like, You're f you got to like, that's nuts. The fact that you think that that's going to happen. But I was raised with fear. Yeah. So as a naturally fearful person, I, I look for things to be fearful of. And guess what happens when you look for things to be fearful of? You, you find get, them. You get more scared. Yeah, yeah, it just increases the fear. It's like the the what is it called the Honda Civic uh, bias, where once you buy a Honda Civic, suddenly they're everywhere. Yeah, oh, I didn't realize so many people had Honda Civics. <laughs> yeah. so you just start noticing them all yeah. over the place. But it's it's true. If you're looking for the negativity or the bad or the fearful, you're going you're going to find it. Which is why I don't read the news anymore. A hundred percent. So I was sitting there worrying, and all of a sudden it occurred to me that if most of the stuff that I worry about, uh, not most, if all of the stuff that I worry about never happens then worrying should be a cue to not worry anymore. And yeah. it was like all my anxiety just broke in that, that minute. That is so true because I, and, and this, this is true from an investing perspective as well. Like I find uh, whenever I really worry something about something to the level where I could almost 
sense a little bit panic in my worries. Yep. I know I've you I've almost always my track record of panic mm-hmm. is a hundred percent false. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not like I make it's not like the only time I ever make rational decisions is when I'm panicking. It's usually the opposite. Yes. So if I, I now I'm able to tell myself when I'm panicking or getting close to that, like when I sense it in my in my worries a little bit, probably I'm wrong and I should not act on that panic. Yeah, no, there's that's it's just a surefire way to know that you're living in an irrational state. And whatever, because like I said, I used to sit and worry. I used to, right before I would go to bed, I would I would uh, just dive into this fantasy of being in a field and running into two dogs without leashes <laughs> and no owners. That's And I'd be like, what would I do? Right. I'd have to fight them, obviously, but they'd probably win. There's two of them. So how would I? <laughs> and then all of a sudden, my son would be standing next to me in the fantasy, right? right. And it would, it would take me like 10, 15 minutes to spin myself out of it. And then it was... You know, what would happen if my son was kidnapped? And then it was what would happen if there was a home invasion? And there was another, this this happened way before that break, but it was a realization, not so much a break. I was worrying about my son one day and I said, man, I, re- <laughs> I need to have another kid so I can worry half about one and half about the other. And then my next thought was, oh my God, or I could worry twice as much, 100% right. for each. Right. And then my next thought was, I'm just gonna worry half as much about the one that I have now and then enjoy, try and enjoy it. Cause worry, I mean, worry really kept me from experiencing a lot in my life. And, and, and by the way, it's reasonable to have some worry in life, to have some, you don't wanna be so optimistic that you're irrational. Like I've seen people like that as well, where they just, it's it, their glasses are too rosy and, and, and yeah. they don't take into, you know, you have to kind of- I'm, I'm in no danger of that. <laughs> I mean, me me too. I'm, yeah. I'm so, I have like PTSD about money now. Like I'm so risk averse <laughs> that I can get, I can get crazy about irrational, you know, financial decisions. But yeah, you have enough money to live, right? Yeah. But when you have enough money to live, you think, you think, okay, well now I could do things like buy a comedy club and other stupid things like that. So I have an, I have a number in my head that I want to get to that the interest alone will be enough for me to live a nice life. I don't really need or want world domination at all. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what's your number? 20 million. 20 million. Yeah, that will definitely do it. But I, I'm assuming I'm actually going to tell you it's much less. So, because knowing what your lifestyle probably is, yeah, like you, pro- my guess is you probably live, you you would probably live, live pretty well in your house with your family. I'd like a, I'd like to get a new house. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. so how many more? How many rooms are in your house right now? Um, how many bedrooms? My, there's. We're gonna back into your real number. Okay. There's. <laughs> I would like a house with five bedrooms. Five bedrooms. Okay. In in Long Island. Yeah. So what what does that go for? Like a million and a half or something? It could be like a million, yeah. A million, um, 1.5 would be absolute max. Any, I actually am not interested in anything bigger than that because I think I don't want it to be too big either. I don't want to have to scream for my wife or kids. So what what's the rent on something like that? Because it's similar to a mortgage. What's the rent on something like that right now? Uh, I don't even know if the house like that is available for rent. I'm sure it is, but there's no... What would the mortgage be? The roughly? mortgage would probably be maybe around six $7,000 a month. Okay, so you would need you would need like, let's say it's the equivalent. Let's of, say it's ten. Let's say it's ten thousand. Yeah. So you would need you would need roughly like four hundred thousand a year salary. Yeah. To have what, exactly what you want, you know, because I assume you're gonna go on vacations, you're gonna yeah, yeah. send your kids to schools, you're gonna not want to worry. Yeah. So you would need four hundred thousand after everything. Yeah. So the the usual rule of thumb is, um, and and that's for your best life. That's you want to live that life. You don't want to travel around constantly from Tokyo to LA no, and buy no, sports no, no, teams no, no, no. and things like that. No. Um, 
So you, the usual rule of thumb is just multiply by 20, and that's your number. So that's 8 million. So because that's 5% interest, and you make that. And by the way- Wait, 5% interest on- 8 million is 400,000. Yeah, but then there's tax on it, so it's down to two. Uh, it depends on how you're making your 5% interest. You could do municipal bonds that pay decent interest rates, and there's no there's no taxes, depending on which kind of municipal bonds you could either do well, for state or federal. That's why I came up with 20, because 5% on 20 is 1 million, and then half of that is 500,000. Figured a little wiggle room. Yeah, so you're being a little conservative. Yeah. You could also make more than 5%. You could also not retire, so you're still making money. Yeah. And also, you can go down. You don't have to always stay at 20. You can go down to zero. You can die at zero. Yeah. So so re- so all of these things add up to be a, a, a number, whichever form you're using, yeah. my guess is your number is still less than 10. So yeah, uh, could be. And you can be, again, you can make more than 5%. You can make an income. You could, like you could do speaking gigs on how to, on how to be a social media influencer. You could be a consultant for companies. It takes hardly any time. And, uh, and like what? I said, you could, you could, uh, bring it down. You don't have to leave your kids anything. What? <laughs> <laughs> let, the, let them work for it. We had to work for it. Well, that was what I was going to say before about the influencers in the wild. Now I feel, cause I had applied to be, to speak at, um, at conferences and shit before. And as Tank Sinatra, Tank's Good News, they just weren't interested. Now it's like, if I pitch myself, I say, Hey, I built a page from zero to 1 million in three weeks. You're going to put me on the fucking stage. Yeah. You're stupid. That's that's and, and I would never say that obviously and I don't really feel like that but that's kind of the that's the turn that I took I was like no man I know what I'm doing my confidence I, I have I think we spoke about this when I was on your podcast imposter syndrome pretty bad yeah. but this page kind of like washed that away I was like all right like I know how people think I know social media I know what's going to do well and I know how people think when they're on social media I didn't think it was going to go this well but I knew influencers in the wild was a good idea. I actually pitched somebody on it and then whatever, that's a whole other story. But I have an idea for you. Why don't you take like, um, well, you could do like a little YouTube show or even an IGTV show where you'll take random people and you'll who have zero Instagram presence, maybe they have like three followers, whatever, and your challenge is if they follow your advice exactly, you're going to get them a million Instagram followers within six months. So that would be an, a fun show. I'd watch that. What how tanks, you know, whatever you call it, you know, tank influences the influencer or t- tank makes influencers or something. Yeah. And I think mean, that would be a fun show that you could do. And then everyone's going to watch that. You get more followers as well. It would. It, it would just be very difficult to get somebody from zero to one million unless the, the whole the, the the lightning is in the idea. Yeah. And, and then the execution is obviously comes after that. My friend Adam said something so interesting about um creativity and work and because the idea the idea is like the orgasm right and then the work is like the sex right but imagine if sex was reversed and you orgasm first and then you had to have sex funny. it would be like oh fuck i don't really i don't you know that's why so many are we done yet I, I don't even know yeah. if i'm done yeah. i can't even tell i guess oh, <laughs> that's this a great sucks. analogy oh it's the best i i when he said it i was like oh my god <laughs> you're having an I, orgasm, I orgasm. yeah, yeah. You know, you know what's funny? People say ideas are a dime a dozen, execution is everything. That is so not true because it's hard to have a good idea. hundred percent. There's a trillion ideas a day. Like, how do you have find the good ones? Yeah. And then, by the way, execution is just a subset of ideas. Like, you need there's bad execution and there's good execution. Like, you had to figure out how to execute on influencers in the wild, and because of your experience, you were able to execute well. Thank God I had the relationships that I had because that video thing, the video thing was the fire hose. The video thing, me wanting more followers was, hey, I'm a little thirsty. The inf- the video, 
And the licensing and all that was the fire hose because I was like, wait, I have to license this shit? I don't know how to do that. So I got a crash course from this guy um, who runs Subway Creatures and, and Kale Salad. They were both like, listen, we work with this company. They're great. They had me a landing page with a submission link up in like 24 hours. We had an agreement. We It was very, you know, no bullshit. It was just like, let's do this. Let's work together and figure it out as we go. And they've been great. They've been great to work with. And they've been, you know, there's nothing like having, sometimes you you link up with people and like you put faith in them and it's and they like, they kind of suck. Yeah. Even even like in a way that doesn't really affect you. It's just like, oh man, I didn't know you were going to, I didn't know you. Like when you, you know, when you get married and you're like, oh, I didn't know you brush your teeth like that. That's weird. <laughs> or you chew. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> I wish I knew that. Um, I videotape my wife snoring all the time. She still doesn't believe she snores. What does she think? I, you edit the video? No, now now she knows because like she's like very cute asleep and everything, and then suddenly you hear this enormous noise that yeah. fills up the the, the you video. Grab the, grab the like, shotgun. It's almost as if like it's fake, but it's like such a big noise. So uh, maybe she has sleep apnea, dude. Maybe, but get that checked out. <laughs> you know, you got to get. I have uh, my wife snores too. I'm sorry, honey. Um, <laughs> noise canceling headphones, Bose. Oh yeah, over the year. Yeah, because right, right, my dog right. snores too. Everybody snores. Yeah. Sometimes I wake myself up snoring. <laughs> yeah, she would sometimes wake up from the snoring. Yeah, and then it's, she it's would jarring. Say, then she would say, was I snoring? And I would show her the video. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you were. And as a matter of fact, I'm uploading it on YouTube right now. <laughs> so so w when you say the video was like a fire hose and, and because you figured out all this licensing stuff, that didn't get you the followers though, right? Like what? No. So what, the, what, was the, what, was, what was the kind of big jump there with the video? I don't quite understand. In terms of making it a business? Just processing the video. Mm -hmm. Processing the incoming submissions was a lot. Because mm -hmm. you're getting all these videos and you're like, how do I how do I you know, how do I catalog this? How do I find out what's good and what's not? How do I know what's good and what's not? Some stuff is very obvious. But the other stuff, like I had to make a list of criteria for the rating for the people who actually cataloged the videos at the licensing company. And I said, if someone's taking a picture, if there's a sunset, if they're standing there, if they're just being like a normal person, that's a one star. I don't ever want to see those. That that mm -hmm. cuts out, if there's uh, 500 submissions a day, that cuts out 150 of them. I see. So what you did to really, that was the fire hose, is you delegated yes. something which you had never done before. Yeah, yeah. So that's magic, is delegating. Sure, absolutely. And then the other that, stuff- That's the way to make money, because suddenly now you're not one person, you're 30 people, 40 people, however many yeah. people you're delegating to. Yeah. Um, so that video that I just showed you is- um, what I would consider to be maybe like one of the most perfect videos I've ever posted because the girl's cute. She's showing leg. Two guys walk by and say, you're beautiful. Then she falls and her ass comes out, but she's not hurt, but she's making a scene, but she's not hurt. So like all those things, I said, if somebody's overdressed or underdressed for the situation they're in, that's a five star. If somebody's like on the beach in a tuxedo, I want to see that. I want to like at least have the right to deny that one. If someone is on the edge of a cliff, but they don't fall, obviously, because I don't want to see anybody die, that's a five star. If somebody is inconvenienced, if they're in the middle of traffic, that's a five star. Like I had to figure out what was postable and what was not postable. And then there's just like the common, the, I don't want to call them arrogant, but like the, the swaggy influencer walking, those always do well because they're just, you're walking down the street. You have 7,000 followers. Why are you walking like that? <laughs> Like <laughs> you don't have to walk like that it's, ever. Everyone, everyone, you know, because there are people who contact 
there are companies. I don't know if it's a scammer. There are, people come up to me and say some company wants to pay me to um, have a have their product in a picture, and I'm like, really? How many followers do you have on Instagram? And she'll be like, six hundred. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't even understand. They, they, are they a scam? Like, or what's? There seems to be this infrastructure of. Uh, uh, everybody everybody now thinks they're an influencer with just like a few hundred followers. Well, that's the whole point of the page is that everyone is an influencer. Because the, the whole point of the page is that we all do it. The The first line is all the world's a stage. Just like a, a, a yeah. throwback to uh, Shakespeare. Very, very poetic. And I'm so anyway. poetic, dude. <laughs> but the other part of that is like, whether you like it or not, I always use the example of like my mom taking a picture of her dog. I love my mom and I love her dog and I love how much she loves her dog even though her dog is home and she's away right now. She's down down south. But I guarantee you when she takes a picture, if she's going to post it on Instagram, she goes, I hope this gets like, I don't know, 20 likes. Right. That would be so good. Yeah. Because she usually gets 10 or 11 or whatever it is. Everyone thinks about the numbers. Everyone from my mom up to David Spade who asked – you know, who asked me how to, you know, how did I grow my following so fast? And I was like, what do you care, dude? You're a fucking comedic Hollywood legend. Why do you yeah. care about followers? The, Everyone's concerned with it. So I, I think, I think, so this is related to kind of the dopamine fast and the fact that people are addicted to these likes. Yeah. And I think it took a long time. And it took a really long time for me to realize that it's not the numbers. It's how I think if yes. I was, if I was being authentic and I said something meaningful to me. Yeah. And then the rest will come. If you do that enough, the rest will, will come. And and it was a, a real issue. Like if I posted something on, I used to write full articles on my Facebook status updates. I mean, I still do. But I used to be very, I would know exactly how many likes I should get in the first 15 minutes, half yeah. hour, hour. And if I didn't get it, I would have other people read it. Did I mess up? Was this bad? Or was, yeah, yeah. Like, and then you start, then you become the audience if you start relying on the opinions of, of everyone else. And so... But then I started noticing the articles I liked the best had the least engagement. Yeah. Because it might be a little bit, it was just the style I liked. Something it, spoke to you. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, so then I just, I, I completely gave up on on going for that. So now, yeah, when I start a new me going into a new medium, let's say I wanted to build Instagram, I would like, you know, to be as popular as possible. But I just, again, no one's ever come up to me and said, man, your Instagram page totally changed the way I thought about something. So- Again, for you, it's different. I think that's your medium. And, you know, just people have to pick and choose what they're going to focus on. Yeah. I um, I, hate, I I swore I wasn't going to do this. We have to wrap up soon. But you did write a book. Yes. And that is your medium. Yes. So I want to absolutely 100% make sure the book is out, <clears throat> right? Yeah. Well, it's out on what I did an experiment. So I'm really a big believer in doing experiments in your life. Yeah. Try something if it if, and, and try new things all the time. And so I did an experiment where there's this company, Scribd, which is like a Netflix for books. They sure. have 2 million subscribers and people pay like eight ninety five a month and you could read for free millions of books from all the publishers. But like, like HBO did in the 80s, like Netflix did a few years ago, Scribd has gotten into original content. So they wanted to do a, a series of books, Scribd Originals, and I think mine might have been the first nonfiction one or uh -huh. something. So I did a Scribd Original. I knew... I knew the CEO. I'm actually an early investor in Scribd, and uh, and I, I so I wrote this book, Think Like a Billionaire, which is based on all the interviews on my podcast with various billionaires. Yeah, and then kind of what I learned from each one of them, in part because 
not that I want to be a billionaire, but I want to, they clearly didn't make the mistakes that I was making over and over again. So I wanted to learn from their experiences and then, and then write about and share what I learned. So they need a Scribd subscription to be able to read the book. People need a Scribd subscription to read the book. Uh, I don't know if there's like a free trial or Is something. Is this like a modern day Think and Grow Rich? Uh, uh, no, no, it was, it's really not because in Think and Grow Rich, that was really about, you know, thinking positively, getting rich, whatever. This is more about just, it's more really about creativity. Like a lot well, of these he, guys are really, or, or, and women are very creative in how they think. And it's kind of yeah. studying that creative, cause they're creating something. You can't get a billion dollars until you create well over a billion dollars in value for other people. So, so, so why was there an opportunity to do that? You have to be super creative. Like. How did Richard Branson, as an example, when he was 27 years old and a music magazine publisher and, you know, whatever, he didn't have any experience. He just called Boeing and borrowed an airplane from them <laughs> and convinced Heathrow to give him a landing strip. Like, there was only British Airways. It was a monopoly. And yeah. England didn't have to get, let there be any other airlines. Somehow he convinced everybody to just give him an airline and for nothing. And... You could do it. He sort of shows, like, what what was he thinking? To, to it's almost like arrogant, and yet he pulled it off. And yeah. and or or Tyra Banks, she was this sort of almost retired supermodel, and she loved watching this one TV show, America's Got Talent. She com she said, "What about the combination of the two, America's Next Top Model?" And she pitched it everywhere. It was rejected everywhere. And then she said, "Screw it, I'm gonna just do it." And she did. It's the thirty first season now. So, wow. you know, all these people overcame other people telling them you can't do it. All these people had to kind of use their creativity to figure out how to get something done after everyone said you can't do this. You know, Richard Branson, there's no way we're giving you a plane. And he's like, you're somehow he convinced them to. He's to, like, you are. Yeah, exactly. Actually. Well, he convinced them. He said, look, you're you have no competitive pricing in England. There's only one buyer. So let's scare them. Give me a plane. And now they're scared. And yeah. they were like, yeah, you're right. Here's a plane. Here's a 747. Go for it. And, you know, he, 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 you know, Damon John was like, he was a waiter in Red Lobster sewing hats and selling them on the his street corner. And Macy's placed a $100,000 order. He said, yes, he didn't have, he couldn't make $100,000 worth of hats. So he mortgaged his mom's house. He said yes, knowing he couldn't do it. So he, he mortgaged his mom's house, hired a bunch of seamstresses, and we in a weekend made a hundred thousand dollars worth of hats, delivered to Macy, got the money, and then paid back immediately his mom's mortgage. And you know why? Why did he say yes to when he knew he couldn't do it unless he took this enormous risk with his mom's house? So all these people had some. They were both risk averse and creative, but they they and persuasive. Sometimes, sometimes you just know. Yeah. Also. And, and and they they knew they can do a ready fire aim instead of ready aim fire. Yeah. Like they just said yes and then they knew they would be able to figure it out. Yeah. And they did it without taking too much risk. Like yeah. I don't think Richard Branson put a single dollar of his money down. I don't think Damon John risked anything cuz he knew he had the order. He knew we can get the hats done. Yeah. It seems like he risked, but he didn't really. And and that's what the book is based on, just stories from these people and how you how they affected the way that you see yeah, work and creativity. Yeah, exactly, and how how it's intersects with stories of mine where these techniques helped me. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, that's I'm so glad I got you down here. I really do love you. I think you're like a really singular type of person. Oh, thank you. That's high praise. We didn't even I, get to fucking talk about comedy. God damn I know. It. Yeah, well, have me on again. We'll talk about comedy. I'm doing uh, I'm doing eight shows within the next five days. <laughs>
And, and then I'm going to Amsterdam after that to do shows. So you own Stand Up New York, which I definitely want to plug. And I want people to find you on Instagram because that's my medium, but it could be your medium uh, too. Altucher, A-L-T-U-C-H-E-R. Yep, okay. And um, you can find Tank Sinatra on the James Altucher show. You've been a guest on my podcast. That's right. That was a while ago. Yeah, and because I've been a huge fan. I was a huge fan. Yeah, it's crazy, man. I discovered you. I think I told you this. I don't even know how long ago it was. It was... Maybe seven, eight years ago, Tim Ferriss. Oh yeah, I read the Four Hour Work Week. Yeah, great um, book. <laughs> it was a little over my head, but I did. What I got out of that book was that I've been thinking about work and effort differently. My uh, wrong my entire life. Not wrong, but it gave me a new way to look at effort and the way that people work and whatever. I thought you had to be at a desk to count, to matter. Well, and you look know? now with delegating. Um, you know, the the looking at the videos and ranking them, you're starting to do the techniques in the four hour work. And I still batch. I batch as much as I possibly can. I say, all right, I'm gonna spend the next ten minutes on creating posts, posting, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Reddit. I'm just gonna boom, get it all done and then breathe for a second. I still batch. I think batching's batching's the one thing that I got out of that that changed my life the mm -hmm. most. So when he started his podcast, I don't remember when you were on, but it was a while ago. It was yeah, a long I think time like, ago. Um I think I wanna say I wanna say 2014 maybe yeah it was right after he it was it was kind of shortly after he started and i remember and then he just kept popping up yeah i i wrote this book the power of no and so he wanted to focus on that but i remember i was in i was in thailand at the time and it was like 115 degrees yeah and so t on the podcast tim is asking me where, where are you and i say oh i'm in thailand and he says are you near the ocean and i said yeah i'm looking at it right now it's five feet away from this little kind of airbnb i'm staying at and he says, have you been out there? And I'm like, no, are you crazy? It's 115 degrees out there. I'm staying the entire trip in this house. Oh I never God. once left the house the entire trip. Really? Yeah, I just like read books in Thailand. and too Didn't hot. go to the ocean, didn't do anything. Why, it's just too hot for you? Or you're not yeah, I didn't person? like it. It, was, oh, okay. yeah, it, was, it was, wasn't fun going out, it was so hot. No, I don't like Bugs. hot either. I'm hot right now, <laughs> sweating. Well, thank you so much for coming. Yeah, I thanks. Hope we get to do this again. Yeah, let's definitely do it again, whatever you want. All right, you got it. Bye. All right.